Well, hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing? Good? Man, I got to tell you, um, I turned 50 this year. Yeah, I can't even believe it. You know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going through a little bit of these, um, I, I don't want to call it midlife. But like when I came here like seven years ago, I had, I had long hair, long brown hair. Now I have short graying hair, you know, and I'm just at that point where it's like, I'm just, I got some, I got some different emotions going on, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want a new car. I don't want a new motorcycle. Well, maybe a new motorcycle. You know. <laughs> I don't want a new woman. I don't want a new home. I don't want, I, I do though, I do want to go deeper into the things of God. But I'm looking at my family, you know, and I don't know about your computer, but pictures come up, and, and I'm just looking at these pictures of seven years ago, and I, I'm looking at that little, that, that baby that we brought, my youngest, Silas, he was just a little curtain climber at three years old, and, 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 and now he's going into double digits, he's going to turn 10 this summer, Every, all the birthdays happen this summer, right? And we're going through so many changes this summer, my, my Davis, my little mini me, he turns 13, teenager. My, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Maya. Hi, Maya. I want to embarrass you right now. She turns sweet 16. Yeah. My oldest daughter, Ruby, that some of you may know, she was faithful working the tech back there when she was here, is in school, and she's getting married. Yeah. This summer. Like, it happened so fast. She's marrying a pastor, which is way cool, you know? So I'm excited for her, you know? And, and then my oldest son, Riker, he's 18 years old. Riker, where are you, Riker? That's Riker. Stand up, Riker. Stand up, Riker. Hey, that's Riker. That's my boy. I will tell you that I'm having the hardest time with my... We're on camera, aren't we? <laughs> My feelings towards my son, he's getting ready to go to college. You know, and many of you have been through that. Many of you are away from your, your families. I get that. And, and you understand exactly where these tears come from. But I, I think back and I think, where, how, it just happened so fast. You know, God gave me this time with my son. And now I'm in the season right now going, I'm, I'm counting the days, the, the weeks, the days, the hours and he's going to launch out into a new life. He's going back to the U.S. And he hasn't even grown up in the U.S. And is he prepared? Did I do everything I could to help him, to shape him for this next journey of his life? I just think of that. And I, and I think of that, you know, when we're coming to the end, you know, these beautiful chapters, Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Beatitudes, we're coming to the end and we've got these warnings that Jesus is talking about here, these warnings. And it's, it's like he, he also thought that way. He's like, I get this group of people for this amount of time, and then I'm going to leave. How, how well are they going to, how well prepared will they be? And as a shepherd of this church, I think the same thing about you. How well are we preparing you for eternity? 
because we don't know when our last day is. But all my life, I've just sort of bucked up against rules and regulations and warnings and directions. I'm one of those guys when you see an expiration date on something, right? I'm like, that's a little green. It tastes a little tangy. It tastes, or it smells a little funny. But I paid for it. I'm going to eat it, <laughs> right? Are you one of those people? Or are you one of like, it's like, nope, that's, that's what my wife is. That's the date. That's the date. And she listens. And for me, it's always been sort of this thing that it, it, it actually determines what I believe about the expiration or the warning, rather, is who it is that's given it to me, right? I just, and I love to ride motorcycles. And everybody tells me, wear a helmet, wear a helmet. I don't like wearing a helmet. That's stupid, by the way. Everybody needs to wear a helmet, but there's something about riding and feeling the wind in your hair of freedom. But all of us would agree that warnings are given for the good of us, right? By the way, the expiration date on eggs, I found out, uh-uh, nope. You can eat eggs like weeks, months after the expiration date. So I'm just trying to prove my point, you know, I'm not that much of a rebellion. So how many of you all like warnings? You like warnings? Yeah? <laughs> yes and no. Maybe so. Okay. You the kind of person that reads something and says, I'm going to follow this to a T. So what it comes down to for me, it's a matter who is giving the warning and how much I trust them. Did you catch that? It's who's giving it to me and how much I trust them. So when there's warnings in the Holy Script from the God that created us, this is a warning that should demand our attention. And he's given us some warnings here this morning. And it's heavy and we're going to feel some heavy. But if we don't feel the heaviness, we will not see the beauty and the glory of the grace of God. When Jesus, the King of Kings, gives a warning, it's more than just a suggestion. So he ends this beautiful talk on the mountainside with his followers with four warnings. And let's back up a little and remind ourselves of what King Jesus is talking about. He's talking about kingdom reality. This is what he's talking about. In his compassion, he's calling us to the best life that we can have. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's what we're talking about, living in the kingdom. In his kingdom, murder's not permitted, and there's not even any room for hate, where people that abide in his presence will, will grow in purity, provision, and they'll grow in peace. You know, it's one thing to believe in Jesus and what he did. That is having peace with God, but to walk with Jesus in his kingdom. That's the peace of God. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew calls it, it's about life with him, which, which can begin now. It's a spiritual kingdom that will one day be a reality when he sets up his kingdom here on the earth. 
So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clearly wants his disciples and the crowds listening to him to experience his life. He came to give it all. He wants everybody to get it. He knows that there are some things, though, that's going to stand in the way. And the same things that stood in the way back then are the same things that stand in the way now. And to help, he wants to help his followers. He wants to prepare them, not to harm them, not to take fun away from, from them. He, he wants to help them. He wants them, them to really know him and experience his kingdom. So what is this warning? Listen carefully. The first warning is this. The kingdom is easy to miss. Say that with me. The kingdom is easy to miss. The kingdom of heaven is easy to miss. Verse 13, the word of the Lord. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So he's saying destruction versus life, many versus few, wide versus narrow. In Jesus' day, many towns and cities in Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, they were all walled, right? And so they had doors, they had gates, and some were large where all the traffic passed through. You could get the carts, the horses, the, the cattle, everything through these big gates. And then there were some that were smaller, and the road and the path was more narrow, and it wasn't as easy to get through. You might get one sheep through there. You might, you, know, there might, you might stand in line to get through. And this is the imagery that Jesus is using, that his disciples know. And just think of how they're responding in their, in their understanding at the time when Jesus is giving this sermon. Well, the power of the word of God is alive. So just those same feelings that they felt going through 5, 6, and 7, like we have the last 15 weeks, when it hits the warnings, we should also, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, sitting on the mountainside here in Dubai, listening to the words of the master, hearing these warnings, feeling the weight of them. So these gates were large, large roads leading to them, main entrances, but the road, the gate, was small that led to eternal life, as he's saying. Jesus' disciples and the crowds would have been familiar with all that he's talking about. You know, the kingdom isn't a physical place yet. It is a spiritual place. It, and it's all about, all, all the context of what he's saying is all about a relationship with him. Jesus says one of the most, uh, most people don't take is actually the one, that, the one that most people don't take is actually the way of life, that road, that narrow road. But the one that leads to destruction, many. It's, I, I get this picture of, of Sheikh Zayed Road, right? Yeah, most of the time, not in a traffic jam. Everybody's moving, everybody's moving, everybody's moving, right? Flowing with the traffic, and then an exit comes, Oh my, I can't tell you how many arguments with the, that little electronic box that tells me where to go, right? That GPS, 
And then over on this side, I have another GPS. <laughs> My wife. And so I had these voices telling me where to go, tell me where to go, tell me what to do. And I have my idea where I need to go. And then suddenly what happens? Miss the exit. And in Dubai, you miss the exit. It's going to cost you. You're going to pay for it. A minimum of 15 minutes, right? You're looking at that, you know, it's sort of recalculating. Oh, how much time? 15, 20, 17 minutes. Ah! And you're late. Following directions, clear directions. Is important, isn't it? Staying on track, taking the right exit, being in the, on the right path, going through the right gate. Jesus warns us that the kingdom is easy to miss. It's easy to miss. Small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Can I ask you something this morning, online? What road are you on? Let's be, just be honest with yourself. As if Jesus, the King of Kings, he's teaching us right now. What road are you on right now? The narrow, unlikely, unpopular road that actually leads to life in God? Or are you, are you on the broad road, the easy road, the popular road that, in fact, actually leads to destruction? The devil has, God has a plan for your life. The devil also has a plan for your life. The things that we get away with now doesn't mean we're getting away with them. We might just be on the wide road leading to destruction. Jesus was giving his followers a warning He's given us the same warning today. Then he goes on. Number two, two warn. Number two, the warning is this: people will try to lead you off the road. I these could be family members, friends, coworkers, opposite sex, romance, all sort of distractions. And you know what? We are filled with them here in Dubai, aren't we? Many, many distractions. I believe many come here having somewhat of a faith and lose it here in Dubai. And also many come here with no faith and find it in Dubai. Where are you at? What's your story? Oh, my goodness, to hear the stories this morning of the five that were being baptized. Wow. This one was involved in, in a cult and was actually made her business all around it. And God rescued her from it. God rescued this one from loneliness and despair and depression, addictions. This is our God. And he's moving here in Dubai. And we have an opportunity to not just believe in him, but to live out his kingdom. Jesus tells us, people try to lead you off the road. He tells us in verse 15, Watch out, guys. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Ferocious wolves. Get that imagery in you. In ancient Israel, false prophets were people who claimed to speak the word of God, and they were deceivers, and they led people astray. The same thing is happening today. False prophets 
aren't just distracting. They are dangerous. They are ferocious wolves. They exist all around the world with all sorts of mediums and all sorts of titles. And I hate to say it, there are pastors. There are people who claim to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, and they have the titles. They may even have the degrees. But do they have Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Do they lift up the word of God or are they lifting up themselves? Be aware. Be aware. And this affects the way we live because there are so many voices out there. And there are like good voices. But what is the greatest voice? It's the word of God. Good voices can lead you astray. I mean, for instance, what, what, do you, what, do you take, what are you spending your time with? What, what influencer are you listening to? What YouTube channel are you watching all the time? What are you reading? What kind of music are you listening? What is shaping you? Be aware not to give in to the spirit of the age. Something that might sound like this is life-giving. This is positive thinking. This will get you out of the rut. Beware. Sometimes they are short, fulfilling things that end up getting you deeper in the hole. The word of God will never do that because the power of Christ and living in his kingdom is the one thing that we can count on to take us out of darkness and put us into his most marvelous light. And just because a a person can stir up a crowd doesn't mean they're taking you on the right path. Be aware. It's a narrow path. Be aware of gimmicks. Be aware of gimmetry. Be aware of messages that point people to the speaker and not to God. Be aware. I remember when I was first became a follower of Jesus, I, was, I attended every church service I could get into. I mean, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, any nights, sometimes two services, and I was reading everything. One thing I noticed, though, pretty clear up front, is that sometimes I went away going, wow, that guy is a cool speaker. Man, he's awesome. And then there were some services that I went away going, it was as if the guy, like, became smaller, and God became bigger. And I would leave going, man, God is awesome. Man, God is awesome. Our heart here at Fellowship is that we would never, we we stand up here small. God is the one to be glorified. And you know what? We all, I'll say it. Don't even take my word for it. Take it to the word of God. This is what will ultimately protect all of us. Jesus wants us to know that some of them, these false teachers, some of the very people that are even famous and celebrity, they're they're dragging people away. Be aware, be aware. Jesus uses the words, watch out. Watch out for these people. He tells us, and he tells us what to watch out for in this next verse, verse 16. He says, you'll recognize them by this. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good fruit, every good tree 
bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We're not called to judge. We had a whole sermon on that through the Beatitudes. But we are to be fruit inspectors. Be wise on who you listen to. Does their lifestyle, the way they act, the way they posture themselves, does it, does it carry the nature of Jesus? Watch out. He's quite clear that the test of prophecy here is not the person's profession or how well they seem put together, but what their lives produce. Not how they look, but what their lives produce. And Jesus here, he calls that fruit. So we want to be fruitcakes. We want to, that was a joke, sorry. (laughs) Never try a joke from your culture in a multiculture. <laughs> I should know that by now. Just listen to the, someone's words and their appearance or their title. Do they look like Jesus? Look at their character. Do they point to Jesus? Do they point you to the Jesus that's in the scripture? Jesus teaches that if they do not live right, they are false. And they are ferocious wolves who won't lead you to life, but will lead you to the opposite, destruction. And if that's the case, it's worth considering who we're listening to. And then he goes on. I've got to say that I think this one is the the heaviest for me. Uh, Number three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them, ouch, oof, I don't even like to read this. They'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Now, I want to get something straight here. Jesus isn't attacking. You know, I also want to say that I've met people that go by a title name, apostle or prophet, and, and some of them are, are some of the most humble men of God I know, okay? So you can't judge them by a title either that's been given to them but by their fruit. And here, Jesus isn't attacking people that, that prophesy in his name or, or those that cast out demons in his name, you know, or, or those that do many miracles. If so, I would also be a false prophet. I think Jesus in the New Testament wants to see more of that, but it's what's behind it is the most important thing. Do they trust in him? He's warning us. That in itself doesn't mean anything if, they, if you don't know him. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever assumed something only to be completely disappointed? Like you, you've stacked your resume. You think you're getting that job because of your credentials and you haven't got it. I've been disappointed like that. Here's the reality. Some people will have incredible 
resumes. They may know even incredible people. And they can miss out on the kingdom. Jesus essentially gives this warning. Don't assume you're in. Don't assume you're in. And I'm thinking, you know, God, wow. Like this verse, like these are people who prophesy in the name and cast out devils and and heal the sick. And if they aren't getting in, then what about us that just do things, normal things? Normal things like come to church week in and week out. Normal things like give an offering week in and week out. Normal things, you know, uh, reading the Bible week in and week out. But the question's still the same. Do we know him? What do you think about this? Do you think it's possible to know the Bible and not know Jesus? Raise your hand if you think it's possible to know the Bible and not know Jesus. It's true. There are many people I know that know the Bible that have deconstructed their faith and have no more faith. Now, I will say this. I I find it impossible to know Jesus without knowing this holy word that he's given us, this precious word, how we can see and know the character of Christ. It's so important that we have the word of God and that everybody around the world has the word of God. And the scariest thing about this verse is when Jesus uses the word many. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like him saying a few. Now, I understand over a period of time, you know, in, in, the, in I don't know what the, um, the, the population since time began, but I'm sure in the scheme of things, it is few. And I don't like to believe that it's few among us. I believe, I, I believe that the few among us is many. I pray that. I pray. We pray for you and your relationship with God constantly that it would continue to grow. I, I don't want to ever hear in my life, I never knew you, or any of those in my family's life, I never knew you, or any of, of, of you brothers and sisters that on that day. I, I don't, I, that scares me. Jesus says calling him Lord isn't a requirement. Living as if he is, he is the requirement. Living as if he is the Lord and Savior is a requirement. Prophesying in his name is not enough. Sorry, driving out demons? Nope. It's more than that. Even performing miracles? No. Nope. So if doing mighty things like, like this doesn't do it, what does that say about our everyday things? We have to continue to look at our life. The more we educate our mind, the more that I know about God, I need to make sure, friends, I need to make sure that I'm being known by God, that my relationship is growing. And I will say that is a temptation of mine. The longer I've been following Jesus, it's been 25 plus years, because the more I can rely on my intellect, Well, you know, in everyday relationships, especially if you're married, it's like, that's not enough. There's got to be intimacy. 
There's got to be communication. There's got to be heart-to-heart moments. That's why Jesus died. Not so that you can be plugged into a religion called Christianity that he's the CEO of. No. He wants a relationship with all of us. So he says, be careful. Don't assume you're in because of the things that you've done. It, 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 it's, it, it just comes down to knowing Jesus. And it's simple, and it's a simple truth. But we want to go everywhere else and try to prove ourselves to God or to other people by our works. John says, uh, Jesus says in John, rather, uh, John chapter 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Warning number four. This is getting heavy, isn't it? Think about the disciples hearing on that day and responding. Therefore, everyone, verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. It was resilient, and we will all have storms because it had its foundation on the rock, on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and and beat again. And what happened? It fell with a great crash. Two builders doing the same thing. They have common. Both builders listen to Jesus' teachings. They receive the instructions. They get the information, but only one of the two puts them into practice. And this is the warning. Hearing without practicing. Hearing without practicing will be devastating. Hearing the teachings and the warnings of Jesus without living them out will be, our, will be devastating for us. And he's just not talking about homes. He's talking about our life. We get that, right? So friends, it's worth asking our, ourselves, am I, am, I just, am, I, am, I, am I simply just a consumer of Jesus' teachings or from his grace Practice what he's teaching me. I beg you, don't be content to just listen. And be like in James, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. So these are serious warnings, aren't they? They're serious. And we need to hear them and and hold them as serious. The kingdom is easy to miss. People will try to lead you off the right path. Don't assume you're in. Hearing without practicing will be devastating. These aren't meant to be four ways to better you. These are the very words of God. And and, and don't put it off. If we wait, it'll be too late. I can't tell you how many times somebody said, oh, I'm going to get my life right with God when such, fill in the blank. And I do their funeral. It grieves me, and it grieves Jesus more. But listen how the people that heard Jesus respond in verse 28. Listen to what they said. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. The crowds were amazed because he was truth. This is 
God in the flesh, the only one, the only one that said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. Some people know him as the truth, but not as the way. Some people know him as the way, but not the life. God wants us to know that he is the way, he is the truth, and if you're looking for life, it's only real life. Short fixes, maybe find it somewhere else in sin, but it'll catch up to you. The only real long-lasting life that will take you into eternity and into his kingdom is that which Jesus brings. He used the words like stuff like destruction, fire, great crash to to describe those that are not in in his kingdom. He He wanted them to really know, to be warned. It's eternal life or, or eternal death. There's no middle ground. The wide and narrow roads and gates are warned. He's warning us. And he's saying, I'm the way. I, I, I'm not me. <laughs> False prophet. <laughs> he's saying he is the way. You got two gates. You got two foundations. You got two trees He's saying, I'm all of those. You want to enter the kingdom of God? You want the beatitudes to be a part of your life? Get in my presence. Let my presence get into you. It's in a personal relationship with Jesus. And the way to be a part of that kingdom is trusting in him, his voice. I'm going to tell you when I read these verses I have to I have right theology that keeps me on track but I I also have the devil sometimes knocking at my door saying uh you're not all that you're not good enough you're not blessed enough you're not you haven't built your life enough on the rock you don't know me enough. All of the, and what that does to me is it distances me from God. But just a few chapters later, Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So don't make this something that it's not. What he's simply saying is if you're going to follow me, Lay down your life. It may not be that easy, but I'm telling you, it is the right way that will set you up for real life through eternity. Get used to it now spiritually because I'm coming and I'm setting it up physically. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm with you. If any of you are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. That, with all of the weight that we just felt, you gotta feel that. Because that makes the grace of God come alive in your heart. You think about this. I talked to people over and yesterday. A guy came to my home and, and he, he was a, a salesman and, you know, and he was talking about how he's a good guy and da 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 da. And, and you know, of course, I talked to him about the Lord, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to convince him he's not a good guy. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I've been on death row with people. I've, been t- I've, I've shared Christ with a guy that's killed somebody. 
And I've asked him, you know, if, if you're going to stand before God, will God let you into heaven? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. What? He said, I'm a good person because that guy over there, he killed three people. We compare our sins to other people's sins so that we feel better about ourselves. And God is warning us in the midst of it, no, give it to me. You're missing it. Take me real seriously here. And if you do, you will be blessed. So now we're approaching, we're going, we're going to take communion, something that the church the, has been doing for, for years and years, and, and it's a time of, of examining ourselves. It's a time of, of remembering and celebrating Jesus. And be wise to the devil's schemes, because the devil, he likes to condemn and bring shame. How could you even take communion? How could you do this and that? How could you sing that song? You're not even really in the kingdom, okay? The devil brings condemnation. That's his main tool. And what it is, how you can decipher the difference between condemnation and conviction, condemnation never offers a way out. It never has an answer. It just keeps you in your pity. But conviction from God always gives you an answer. And it's turning to the heart of Jesus where he says, I've paid for it. It's not about your... (laughs) It's not about your performance. And it, it, you're going to perform before me? No. Present yourself before me and let me shape you into what I want. Trust me. Walk with me. Take my word seriously now that I've given you breath. And in fact, I will use you to be the fragrance of me to other people that don't know me. So we're approaching the Lord's table right now, and he's sitting at the head of it. And some of you are, have fallen under conviction. And before you take a communion, repent. And know that you don't have to flog yourself or you know, beat yourself up, that you had a God that is there ready to forgive the worst of you. In fact... At the cross, the worst of man met the best of God. And I praise God for all these guys that didn't quite get it right because I'm one of them. Talk about a murder. Paul, okay, Peter, we can go on and on. David, God's given us examples to say, don't don't get caught up in that. But I'm going to tell you what, get off the exit that you're on right now and come towards me because I got something better for you. So we're gonna sing a song. The welcome team's gonna pass out a little piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and a little cup, some juice in it. It represents the blood of Jesus. And I want you all to just hold it for a while and think about your life. Now, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, just let it pass because it's gonna mean nothing to you. But if you do believe, it means everything. And this is not just some silly tradition that we do. The very presence of God is with us as we hold these elements. So listen to the song. Reflect on your life. Confess sins if you want. Just tell him, I want you more. I love you, Lord. And listen. 
He may tell you how much he loves you. He already did it by going to the cross. And then we will all take communion together. So don't take it until the end of the song, okay? Let's sing.